Paul Fry's had his pick of Premier Clubs when he left Glasgow Perthshire in 2013. Someone may be surprised when he chose relegated Beath, but there's been a match made in heaven ever since. After promotion back to the top flight, he's helped them win the Scottish Junior Cup and the league on a dramatic final day. Popular with the fans, last summer Paul was handed the captaincy by boss Brian Young. He's never been a stranger to a yellow card, but we're glad to have the attacking midfielder booked for the show this week. We'll look back on those glory years at Bellsdale Park, as well as talk about the day he was offered a trial by Clyde. Beath have managed just five games this season, and as plans are explored for some lower league football to return, we'll hear Paul's views on how the season should go. All that plus Roach's Roundup with Des Roach. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, Paul, we'll, uh, we'll come back to the announcement this week about football's return, but there's news from the, the West of Scotland League where, where your new men's team play this week. Yeah, so there was a meeting on uh, Monday night. So what's, uh, what's obviously we spoke about it on the show before, there was an interim management group which was run by the Lowland League, but they were only going to be in place for a year uh, till the, the West of Scotland League was set up and they appointed a board. So we had a meeting on Wednesday, two meetings on Monday night. One was a special general meeting and the other one was a general meeting. And they appointed a new board. So it was guys like, and, and, and people who's involved in junior football in West of Scotland. No guys like Colin Boyd, they call winning and Chris McCallop of Port Glasgow. Kenny Young, who's a friend of the show, has been on. So they've all kind of made up the board with John Dalton or Whitlitz and, and a few other guys. And they're kind of now under the watchful eye of Matt Bamford. Matt's took up the role as a chair. Matt previously was a, on the executive of the West Region Juniors. Is that many many leagues, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And he's a he's a director at Clyde Bank, and he obviously had to resign from the West Juniors when Clyde Bank left. But anybody that knows Matt, great guy, really approachable guy. Chairs are, chairs are good meeting and stuff like that. So I think the, the league's in safe hands. And we've had Kenny on the show as well. And we know his passion and his desire to try and get football played. And he's always accommodating. So from my point of view, and from I speak from my own club's point of view, I think it's quite exciting. These guys are, they, they, know, they, they know their jobs. It takes a certain type of character to go on these committees. And I think they're a strong team and it's exciting times. They just now have to make that decision whether we're going to go back this year. And prior to coming on air, I've just heard that uh, the Scottish Premier Women's League is now having a sort of test before they, they can play games. So I would say from that, it's probably looking slim that, that, that we'll be back this year. But who knows, stranger things have happened. Yeah, I guess the uh, whatever way you look at it, though the the formation of this committee now it is the next stage of the the West of Scotland League. So we'll we'll look forward to to seeing how they they take the the league forwards. Um, a quick word for our sponsors, media agency Forty Four Creative. If you're looking for photographers, graphic designers, videographers, or video editors to help promote your content, brand, organisation, or event, then they'd love to hear from you. They make creation personal. 
Find out more at www.44creativehq.com. We'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Hi, I'm Gordon Moffat. I'm the manager of Clyde Bank and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Beef captain Paul Fries is our guest this week. Thanks for being with us, Paul. Oh, cheers for having us. We'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from League One down, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. So this week, right, we'll bring you in as well, Paul. Two polls um, this week. I'm looking for the club from League One down that started out under the name Britannia. They've had two seasons in Scotland's top flight, separated by 31 years. They were formed in 1880, but didn't officially appoint a manager until 1966. Oh, Jesus, that's easy. <laughs> Have you got a pull now? Oh, oh. It's, on the t- it's on the top of my tongue here. This is fun. the last one I'll give it away. They've spent the past 13 years ground sharing at two different grounds. Don't, don't so, all shout at once here. So they've been in the top flight as in the SPFL? They've been in the top flight. Right, okay. Twice. We'll reveal all at the end of the show. Hi, my name is David Bakey. I'm the chairman of Tayport Football Club, and you're listening to Downer Divisions. Beef skipper Paul Fries is our guest this week. Paul, I mentioned in the intro there, um, you guys have only managed five league games so far. Um, we've had the news this week that lower leagues could be back playing soon. Can you see it happening in the, in the west of Scotland? I think for this season I, t- I can't see it happening I think even if the day get is back which is probably if anything looking like maybe next month at some point I think even as you say we've only played five six league games and even if the day get back I don't see how they're going to make us finish the season it just looks like if, even if the day get back how they're going to cram that in before affecting next season and then obviously the preparation for your pre-season and that you prefer to do a good one of aims rather than try to ram this season into a finish and then potentially just starting right back up for the following season. Um, uh, how, I mean, how, how, how tough has it been? I mean, how, how tough could it be if they're trying to cram these games in? I mean, you hear you hear talk of, of League One clubs, they're talking that you could be play, they could be playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday. Yeah. And even for them, it's going to be tough. But even for, from you guys, you know, it's... it's Part time, obviously, in the sense that you've got you've got jobs to kind of work around it all, haven't you? It's supposed to be, you know, not, it's not your main job, is it? But how t- how tough would it be from a practical point of view to do that for somebody like yourself? I think I think it would. I think you would get a lot of boys that would struggle, obviously, through your work commitments, and then I think even the knock-on effect of two or three games a week on your your legs and your body. I think you'll start to see a lot of injuries and. A lot of a lot of boys pulling hamstrings or getting slight niggles that they can't shift just because of, this season's been very a slow start kind of thing. So you were just getting back into it, and then 
were off it again and then get back in it. So you not really had the consistency to keep your body ticking air at a game every week for a long period of time. We're usually used to that, but obviously the season got finished early March last year and then it was a big break and then we were getting back in and then try to build your fitness back up to the level you were at. And then I'd like to say this season, it's stop, start, stop, start kind of thing. So I think if you were to get back into it two or three games a week, I think you would see definitely a lot of injuries and a lot of teams would struggle, I think, through that. Because in a junior game, you've not got big squads of like 25 to 30 players. It's usually roughly around about 20, 22 or something like that. So I even think then you would still probably struggle. We obviously carry young on the show the other week and, and you know he, he did say he's desperate to kind of get back and get fixtures played he was he was kind of more looking at running the season from sort of mid-March getting it through to maybe July and then a short break and then maybe postponing the start of the next season how would you boys in the changing room feel about that Paul because certainly it's not a lot of preparation it means we probably don't have a pre-season how have, the, have you spoke to any of your teammates and what their thoughts are and what they would like to do? Because it's always good to get the players' opinions as well. Sometimes clubs will meet with committees and stuff like that, but what is it the players actually want? Well, I've spoke to a few boys, at, obviously, at Beef, and um, I think we're all kind of in the same boat. We would ideally think this season be as well just being caught off and um, looking towards next season to get a good start. Even if that means starting that earlier, while it's usually better weather in the summer, rather than because with the way it's looking, there's not going to be many people going on holidays and stuff in that um, because of the situation. So we were more concerned about even if they just because this season you're only getting whoever wins the league getting a chance to go into uh, like the promotion. But apart from that, there's no relegations, so it's it's no it's not a big there's no too many t- changes happening in the league this season. Um, rather next season then you're getting your other teams back in that it should have ran this season um, so we were a couple of the boys we've been talking to think probably best if we were just to call it call this season and then obviously get 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 the, the dates out for the following season and get a good pre-season and then going for there but we were even thinking obviously just know we could even still do like maybe a couple of training sessions a week just to keep taking air and then maybe break away for a few weeks before the pre-season starts, maybe even like play sevens in a training session just to keep us all taking air and stuff like that. But I think regarding this season, I think a lot of the boys have just lost all faith and interest in it. I think that's kind of the general feedback I'm getting as well. From maybe a selfish point of view as well, we want to do work in our park. So when are we going to get the opportunity to do that? It's a bit of a knock-on effect. Our pitch has been out of action since November to get the work done on that. If we're going to play through a July, then it's not going to get a chance, and then and, and then it's a kind of short term. The facilities down at Beath, would that need any work done there, or is the pitch looking good? I think well, the last it's been a while since it's been done, but I think um, the the pitch was looking quite good. But usually every year there is a lot of work goes into the park, like mace mace grounds. But I'm not sure where it is now. Probably because we've not played a lot of games. Uh, they're probably maintaining it and it's probably looking good to know but if you were to go in and play the rest of the season and you say until like the end of July then it wouldn't really give you enough time to do anything if it's bad weather and you're playing two and three times a week maybe on your home park it's going to take a down 
and it will not recover for the following season. I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think it would be enough time for the groundworks to get done. What's it been like in the sense of, I mean, before the latest lockdown, you were sitting 10th in the Premier League. I think you'd, you'd won the one game, but you hadn't lost any games. I think you'd drawn yeah. four games. Mm-hmm. When you're playing five games in a season, there's new guys come in. How tough is it to kind of generate that team spirit that you would normally be getting if you were playing every week and training every week? Uh, I, I, especially difficult because we, we knew boys were signing and boys were leaving and it, we knew boys had come in but you didn't really have the chance to meet them and train with them so it was a big build up through that we done a couple of like, Zoom call things and stuff like that um, just to bed the new boys in and stuff but it was a big change at Beef there <coughs> in the summer um, but uh, once once we got together and that like, all the boys they're all good it was a easy click um so it's just the the vibe in that's good. The news, good bunch of boys. Um, but as to say at the start, it was difficult because mm-hmm. you knew boys were signing, but you still hadn't had the chance to meet them and doing your usual stuff that you do in pre-season and stuff. Have you found that the no being in that dressing room is it's not the same as it? We've we've got some new boys coming in. And, and it's all right having the WhatsApp chats and having the, the, the banter on that, but it's still not the same as it is it's going in there on a Saturday because it is, anybody that's been involved in football knows that's, that's one of the best parts of it, isn't it? Actually going in that dressing room and some of the things that goes on in there is unbelievable. Have you, do, do you think that's been a bit I of a drawback? I, I think that's massive, even as you say, like even training nights and Saturdays going in and just having the banter and all that stuff you miss that so even like the new year, just you've got to work coming home for work you're not really doing much and nothing else you can do so I even feel myself uh, just used to it for that amount of years to then you're not even going to training during the week or having a Saturday usually sets you up like the Saturday and now you're lost because you're you're always playing on a Saturday and then when you break for your pre-season then you're maybe away on holiday and doing stuff like that chilling out for a few weeks but um Usually your Saturdays took care of you, are up, had your breakfast buzzing for a game, away, banter with the boys, and then that kind of sums up your Saturday. And then the odd time your game gets called off and you're lost, you end up watching Uncle Jeff and the boys. <laughs> <laughs> but for well, having these amount of Saturdays off, it's been brutal. brutal. That's, that's absolutely tough, but you're a naturally fit guy, Paul. Yeah. What are you doing yourself? Are you still doing quite a bit away from it yourself? I we've been do, uh, doing a couple of Zoom classes, just a couple of PT classes um, for the boys and that, just to keep ticking here, and um, just been doing a few 5Ks, a free a week. Um, I done one in January and I went a 5K for 21 days, just solid, um, just a wee thing to, for just a wee achievement thing to keep us pushing myself to keep ticking here, because it's hard because you don't know, you you don't have a date to get back, so you. In your head, you're like, ah, it could be next week, could be a few weeks, but just trying something to motivate myself to keep keep taking care of Any boys you want to name and shame? Because there'll be a couple in that changing room that's no done a thing. Oh, Darren Ramsey, 100%. He'll be towing two caravans now. What's his problem? Is that like lack, lack, of, uh, lack of fitness or just the food? Oh, he, I think, I think both. I think both. He's he's a boy. It's brilliant with a ball at his feet, but when it's not at his feet, he's not interested. 
<laughs> and every team at our level has got that into oh, I, as I mean the league's league's full of boys like that. Yeah. And in terms of uh, you know the boys who are there, you're kind of I think you said you're 32. You're you're one of the older heads in the team now. Uh, who would be the who'd be the loudest in the dressing room? Who's who's the who's the guy you kind of I mean would it be you or I mean name some names yeah take us inside that dressing room door and, and tell us about the squad that you've kind of got down there now. Yeah, I, I, I would say all the boys are new just gee most of the boys just gee as much as anybody gees out. Um, I'm gonna say there was one it probably stood out. I mean myself I, I like a good bit of banter and winding people up as well, but. I think, I think everybody in their changing room they know that like if there are a few young boys that are a bit shy but the majority of the other boys just just rip the pee out of each other it just comes back and forward yeah, a lot of the boys try and give me stick for my passing and shooting and stuff but I just get, just get back as good as I get it I'm told you you don't mind the booking every now and again mention oh, that in the intro this is probably my best season because we've only played five games <laughs> Many you got that season, just the three. I, 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 I'm lying if I said. Uh, but to be fair, I've, most of my bookings are usually for mouthing it to ref, and then when I do base, when I do put a tackle in, I usually get booked for my first challenge. Um, <laughs> because he's probably looking at his going, fucking don't keep that mouth shut. So I think most of them are my fault. So I've been saying I'm trying to stop that for a number of years. So. Maybe, maybe now I'm captain. I maybe need to try a wee bit harder. <laughs> I was looking there. I think, I think for Beath you've played 255 games and you've got 55 bookings. That's so that's, that's one every five games, isn't it? That's actually about my fourth. And then, there's the eight red cards. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sitting here actually think, is that good or bad? <laughs> um, in terms of how the boys have been playing, I know you've only had the five games, but I, I, could you see a squad coming together there and uh, and De Brian and 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 something? You know, I mean, because I guess it's it's hard to having only played five games. You got some some teams have played nine, I think, in in that yeah. league, and so maybe it's hard to work out exactly where you are. But how did yeah. you feel things were? Um, well, obviously it was a full rebuild in the summer there with a lot of boys leaving, a lot of new boys in. But I do feel as if we have got a good squad of players. Um, I did find that we we had because uh, of. We were just back for the restart. A lot of boys were picking up wee niggles, like myself. Um, just we getting back into doing training sessions two, two, two times a week in the game this Saturday. I think first couple of weeks, a couple of the boys were struggling. Um, and then it didn't help. Uh, I think every week we were we were missing a boy through having to self-isolate or he wasn't well or stuff like that. So we couldn't really get a run of uh, the same starting eleven. I thought we did, and we are squad, we have good players, but we couldn't get a run of games that we could maybe play 10 out of the 11 players, like maybe two games that throw. Every week out of the full, every game we played, we had a different team due to players being injured, suspended, um, or due to having to self-isolate. So we were always kind of juggling positions and formations and stuff like that. Um, so we didn't really, I do think we have got a good squad, I do think we just maybe need a run just to click me mm-hmm. as a team and get to know because boys were playing maybe right mid one week and then Dratman at centre mid and stuff like that. It was just we couldn't get a run of games with the same kind of similar similar team that usually you do get when you start the season. Maybe it's 
you play the same 11 if you win, usually carries on to the next week. And then if somebody has a stinker, it's maybe one or two kind of tweaks. It's that we were having like three, three changes a week. So don't think that helped us. Darvel's obviously in there. Who have probably not, they've only played the same amount of games as yourself, haven't they? So I don't, I don't relish you being in that league. Real tough. Yeah. Especially getting into next season because it's supposedly seven are getting relegated to the 20. That's right. So that's nearly half of the league if you look at it that way. That's um, that. So it will be tough. I think it's seven. I seven coming out and then I'm sure it's for the the, the, the leagues below. I'm sure it's the winners of the aim are coming into it and then they're going to keep it at a 16 league team, I think. So they're reducing it. I think it is, because I think it, that's what it used to be. I'm sure that's what it is. I'm not 100%, but I'm, I think that's the way they were going. Um, we mentioned earlier about the changes. Quite a few of the boys ended up, I think most of them went to St. Caddox, didn't they? Yeah, quite a lot of them, aye. Because, jo- because Johnny Miller was there at the time, I guess. And I think, um, Did you have a chance to go, or did, did, did you uh, consider going? Or? I was. I already still had another year left in my beef contract, so, um, but they never ever contacted me or anything because they, they obviously had good pals with the chairman and everybody that was at BFM joining that. Um, but it was obviously, if I, if I wanted to leave, they would have been interested. But I just felt that I've enjoyed my time at BFM and it wouldn't be right just to walk, uh, well, ask to go on the list or whatever, to leave. Um, and when Brian came in and took care of his training and stuff, I enjoyed his training. I thought his training was quite good. Um, so I just thought I'd get a chance, get, get, play with my other, my other year and um, take it for air. As I say, I've been at Beef now eight years. This is my eighth season, so and I've enjoyed it. So I didn't really want to just leave um, without getting it a chance, without getting Brian a chance as well. Yeah. Obviously, the 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 Johnny that leaving St Caddox, I think when he did, none of the boys that went there stayed. They all they all walked. Um, they all they all walked. None of them. None of, I think I think only one maybe stayed. Kev Green out of the, out of the lot of them, but most of the other boys I think kind of walked. I think it was kind of a mutual agreement with whoever's in charge um, at St Caddox. Uh, but I think a lot of the boys walked due to. I think Johnny and that didn't get treated right the way they get told to leave. I don't know the ins and outs, but that's uh, a few of the boys told me. Um, so I don't think anyone really wanted to stay and play for play under the chairman or whoever it was. It's called the shots, um, and a lot of them has played for Johnny for some even ten years, some maybe seven, eight. Other boys five years. So I think you've got a lot of respect for Johnny. So. I think um, once they departed, then I think for a lot of the boys, they were never going to hang about there um, after that. You said you you said you got a year left on your contract last year, so you're obviously coming towards the end of that contract now. Are you would would, would it be just the plan would be to stay there? You're the captain. Yeah, now. I've I've just agreed um, to stay. Um, I've just another two year deal, which will take me to ten year. Um, it's always some something I've no rec- only recently I've started to look towards the ten. Um, I knew come the end of this season it would be eight years. So <laughs> and I'm enjoying it. Beef. Uh, I have enjoyed it for eight years. So it was something for myself. I didn't really see myself going and playing with any other junior team really. 
if I was looking at the other junior teams, there was name that I would always think I'd like to go and play for. Obviously, your Talbots win everything. They'd be probably a good team to go to, but I still think myself, I knew I'm enjoying playing for Beef. I've enjoyed it for eight years. I like everything about the club and the boys and that are in it. It's good. So I've decided just to um, do, the, do a two-year deal, which will take me a 10-year testimonial. That's something I've wanted to do. And, and what is it about beef, beef for you like that makes you get in your car from Bayliston and travel all the way down to Beef every week? What, what kind of? I mean, we've had we've had guests across the shows that we've had, and, and some of them have had you know long stays at a particular club. There seems to be a certain club that seems the right fit. What what makes what makes Beef the fit for you? What what do you like about the place? I think it's just a uh, a good community and. Um, to be fair, they look after you brilliant, they treat you brilliant. Um, there's never any problem with like wages or they'll always bend their backwards to help you. Like a few of the boys get injuries and stuff, and they would they paid for their operations and stuff privately for them. And um, just they were all even like behind the scenes and all that. It's just a cracking club, club to play for. <coughs> the fans are brilliant. Um, and we had early number of years we had cracking squads like right good laughs uh, all brilliant boys and as I say even travelling down to beef I've most of the years I think there's only been six months out the eight year I've been travelling down that I had to travel down myself the, the rest of it was like car shared so as you know that the banter starts when you get in the motor on the Monday night go to training and then the Thursday night and Saturday so even getting in the car and getting down it was always a laugh and um, Getting done. So Danny, as, as much as it seems sometimes it could take you an hour to get there with traffic and that, um, it was always a good laugh and, and it was always the drive down didn't really bother you because there were maybe three or four days. So mm-hmm. only maybe once every one and a half weeks taking a shot of driving down. And who's in your car school? Darren Ramsey, uh, Kev Watt, and Ian Gray. I've said Darren Ramsey thinks he can try and give me a bit of stick, but. He gets it straight right back at him. And he'll be in there so you get the Chris and Chocolate in the back seat. Oh, uh, he's in there with the Red Bulls and I, the, the Morrison's meal deal. <laughs> uh, the boy uh, Kevin Eanes just joined this season, so don't get me wrong, he's still he's a bit of stick, but maybe not as much as Darren, because he's been there a couple of years now. So. The fact that you're the captain, is that something that, that you've, you know, have you always been a bit of a leader by your nature? And... And were you surprised when, when the captaincy came? Or something I guess you'd be kind of quite proud to take on? Uh, you know, Brian saying that he wanted you to lead the team. How did you feel about all of that? Um, well, from my primary school and stuff, I was kind of, I've always been lit captain. And then a couple of other clubs I was at, um, I was captain. So it's always something that I've done and quite enjoyed it. Um, and then at Beef, um, maybe the last two years, I think it might be, then when uh, Big Shez was the captain and I was vice-captain. Um, so when Shez was injured or banned or something like that, I would step up and be captain. And it was always something that it didn't really phase me, <laughs> um, Dana. Uh, and obviously when Shez, Shez um, left, um, Butch asked me to, obviously he wanted me to take care of captaincy and stuff. Um, obviously I'd have loved the Big Shez stuck about. But it was no doubt his choice. Um, he's a cracking captain. Uh, 
if I could win even half of what he won as captain, I'd be, I'd be buzzing with that. He's a cracking guy on the park and off it. Um, so if I can do it's half as good as he did, I'll be, I'll be happy with that. That game that you won and then you got take it got taken away. Yeah. It was, it was five five nil, wasn't it? Five nil. Uh, yeah. How how did how did you feel about that? I mean, I know it's like it's, it's new ground, isn't it? These kind of things happening, you know, this season. But but having 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 put in all that effort, having celebrated the victory, having scored the goals and everything, did it just seem a bit of a? I mean, you're getting games and games decided on paper effectively, aren't you? Somebody's deciding to take those three points away from you. We played Ben Bob because the agent fell out the league. Um, took a half as a. I think, I think it was a bit disappointing, um, as you say, because we, we, we drew a couple of games in that. So that was one of the games that we did go out and we, from the start of the game to the finish, we did play well, moved the ball well, scored goals, um, and we were buzzing. Got a wee buzz for that after that game. And then I think it was a week later that they pulled out the league, so they can took it off us. So I think it was a wee bit of a, a, wee bit of a deflated um, moment once that happened, but the boys were there. Like we started ripping the with the banter and all that <laughs> when, uh, after it happened. I mean, it probably would have got to start with, but now inside it's not really meaning much now looking at it. Yeah, I mean, Paul, Paul Davis, I mean, how would you feel if that was the case? If you were the manager, if, you, if you'd if you set your team out and, and uh, you know, you'd masterminded a 5-0 win and then you just saw it taken away? Well, if I mastered a 5-0 win, I'd be greeting. <laughs> but here's the situation that potentially faces us so in our conference now it's all ifs, buts and maybes and if we did go back there's teams we've not played in there's teams that we've not played in our league and there's a team we've played twice so we played Joker twice one of which we masterminded a win <laughs> away from home do you know what I mean so how would that work Oh, I'd break my heart, Gareth. I'm not going to... I'm breaking on the show now talking about it. <laughs> but I don't know how that would work. If they're saying maybe... We, if, and again, all hypothetical, if we go back, but it's not going to be a full season or whatever, then we've played we've played a team twice. So, oh my God, I thought it. <laughs> I guess that's why we need clarity at some point, And that's through no fault of the league that we haven't got the clarity at the minute. Listen, if it's coming down to testing players... We're not going back. Yeah. And then I'll just savour that one against Joker. <laughs> Hello, my name's Willie Kinnebra, manager of Gap Cairn. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Now here's Roach's Roundup with Kilburnie Laidside assistant boss Des Roach. Up to Balmour. Well, boss Jim McAnally here remains consistent over his concerns regarding the low leagues returning. The Blue Toon last played a competitive fixture in January 2nd against Cove and McAnally has used the SFA's own Chief Medical Officer Dr John McLean who had previously said that clubs would require four to six weeks pre-season training to allow players to be in the shape to play football. He feels this is no further forward than we were at the point of lockdown number one. This in turn then also has a knock-on effect with the Highland and Low Leagues where it is felt that they may have to mothball due to the cost of the testing involved. This they feel they have very, very little option, unfortunately. It was reported that Kelty Hearts, for them to play Dundee United in the Betfred Cup in October, it was at a cost of over £2,000 to get players, management and committee to fulfil the fixture through COVID testing. 
Well, for anyone looking to a wee career opportunity, then look no further forward than the newly professional and vastly forward-thinking Queen's Park. They're looking to recruit a charitable trust executive director. They wish to tackle and explore new ways of enhancing a wide range of health and wellbeing approaches in the local community with a long-term approach being viewed. Finally, down at Gala Bank and Home of Van Athletic, well, their committee have been hard at work and are looking to produce an excellent revamp of their home dressing room. If anyone's not seen it, then take a wee look at Annan's page on Twitter. They've decorated the home dressing smartly in club colours to give it that Annan look and feel. I'm sure the team will love it. However, I'm just wondering where they get that idea from. For anybody who's not looked and had a wee, a wee check, we'll go onto the lead side Twitter page because uh, I think you'll find there's been a wee bit of work done there as well. However, Annan, well done guys. Well, that's me for this week. Back over to Paul, back over to Gareth. Hi, I'm Ross Wilson, manager of Mary Hill, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. We captain Paul Fries is our guest this week, so let's look back now at your, your playing days, Paul. Uh, it all pretty much started at Harmony Row, is that right? Well, that was when I started in 21s. When I was 18, I went to Harmony Row, um, but kind of before that, I just played local. Um, with the Shire, it was a Glasgow Pair Shire. They they ran a when I was thinking it must have been eight year old or something, eight, nine year old. They had a, a football team, but it was wasn't in a, a league or anything back then. It was just um, it was like friendlies we used to play every so often. Um, and for then, I think I played a wee spell at Arsenal Boys Club um, and Celtic Boys Club for a wee bit, but then kind of. Took a wee break at where I, I didn't really. I just played with my mates after that. It wasn't until I was about 18 um, I get back into it and went to Harmony Row. Um, what was it like there? It's, it's obviously a well-known club, Harmony Row. What, what, what was it? What was it like there? Just perfect for the grounding, was it? You know, in, in development of your game. It was. I enjoyed it there. I'd done three years there. Um, I think. The first year I had two different coaches, two different managers. I think I had one for the first six months, and then he left and got another manager in for the next part of the season. Um, but I enjoyed my time there. The first year, uh, just getting back in, yeah, we had a good team. Done, did no bad, but I think um, once the my second year there, it was the it was Carlo in. A guy Ian that took care. They were, I'm sure they done the under 18s at Harmony Row when I was 21s, and um, basically the 21s manager left. So it was the the 18s teams that just came up into the 21s, and they had a good group of boys that were together for a number of years. Um, and I think they only kept maybe four or four four boys maybe for that out the 21 squad that I was in. I think a lot of boys left anyway, but. It's what they wanted. They only kept time, maybe three, three boys for Matt first year there. Um, so when they came in, they already had a good squad um, and just kept on for there. As I said, the second year, I think six months after joining them, I ended up captain at Harmony Row, uh, and then it just spiraled on. Second year took still captain, and then the third year. Um, but I did one, 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 a few things there as well, and. I enjoyed that. It was a good group of boys there, good banter as well. Maybe a lot of our listeners won't know, but Harmony Row kind of 
at a top a top side in Glasgow and have been a instrumental in a lot of boys going on into onto bigger clubs, haven't they? Yeah. I um, obviously let's get a link to like Alex Ferguson and when he was at Man United and stuff. I remember when we were there, you used to get like all their old training gear sent up to you and stuff like that. Um, but as a club as well, it was well run. Um, he had like best of gear strips and all that. It was always like Adidas strips, Nike strips, stuff like that. Um, and I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. The only thing I didn't really enjoy at the time is they used to have his nine o'clock kickoffs, uh, friendlies sometimes on a Monday night. <laughs> Apart from that, didn't really enjoy that. But everything else, I it was a cracking club to play for. Were, were there any City fans in the in the squad who refused to wear any of that? Those hand me downs from Man U. Uh, no, no, that I know. I think a lot of the boys used to try and take two and three sets for their mates. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you a story there because Mark Cousin sometimes turns up at our training. He's got my training kit on, with, like wee numbers and that on it. DHL yeah. in the front now. I know where he's got it. Aye. He, Harry, Mark Cousin. <laughs> Obviously played with, with Harnero. Yeah. So he's so we try to tell me he's been nicking the kit. Yeah. <laughs> you have number sixty-seven and all that. That's that. That's that. <laughs> Aye, that's the one. <laughs> Uh, did, did you ever meet Sir Alex? I know he did do a couple of appearances at Harmony yeah, Road. No, at, my time, at my time, no, he was never up um, when, when I was at the club, but uh, nah, I never had the pleasure of meeting him. And, and uh, how did the move to Perthshire come around? Um, well, it's Monko, it's the manager, Billy Adams, he's the, the manager at Perthshire, um, and as I say, I, I, I grew up at Poso and that was always the local team that I would go and watch in the juniors and I played as I said for the for the unders when I was younger growing up so it was always something I was interested in doing even when I was at Harmonero they were trying to get me uh, to come but I always said I was going to finish playing my 21s before I headed on to the juniors um, so when I finished that the uh, Harm in a row. I had a few offers um, for a few junior teams, um, but I was, my mind was already made up. Already said um, I would always go to the, the, the Glasgow Perthshire when my twenty when I finished playing twenty ones, um, and just that that was it. Since I finished, um, just obviously Billy phone is and I went and signed with him. What's it like playing for your uncle? I mean, we, we've heard over the years of stories about sons playing for fathers and how the fathers treated the son actually harder or tougher than than uh, you know some of his other players. Was 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 that how uh, Billy Billy dealt with you? Did you get you know was he was he always on on your case? No, can I not co- really. Can I come in on that? Was it like uh, Harry Redknapp with uh, Frank Lampard? Did he sit you at a table and all and justify why he was playing you? <laughs> no, no, but I think when I joined, because uh, I think a lot of the boys are there, they're all done this, so I was quite a young boy um, getting into the juniors, and even myself, I was thinking, if I'm getting into the juniors, I want to be playing, I'm not want to be sitting on the bench, because I'd rather just go and play other football that would be playing every week, so when I was getting always had the mindset that I need to make sure I'm in the starting eleven. Um, so I think a, a, lot, a few of the boys that were there were older, so the news. Um, but it used to always wind us up. You're only getting a game because it's your uncle and all that, all stuff like that. But to be fair, when I went in, um, done pre-season and that, um, I just had the ground running, and I was for, the, for that moment on. Uh, he just used to say, "We just keep doing what you're doing, and you'll be on my team every week." So, what year was that, Paul? Uh, 
2011, maybe, I think. Because they, they, one thing about Persia, they're a gang, aren't they? You know, they're a, there's a group of guys that play there now that just played together for years and they're absolute uh, siege mentality when you go up there. Uh, well, as I say, that's where I grew up, so it was always me getting there into that environment and all that. It was always like, second nature. Like, I, I knew them anyway. I knew a lot of the boys that were there. I grew up running about the area, so even all the fans and that, it would come. They stayed in Mamoise Street and stuff like that, so um, yeah, it was always, it was always, it was always something I wanted to do. So you obviously impressed when you were there. Then is it right that you got pulled by Chick Charnley and uh, got offered the chance to go <laughs> into Clyde, but that maybe didn't quite go the way you thought it might have gone, or it, it transpired that it wouldn't go the way you hoped it would. Well, when I was playing with the Pershire, I always had, I always had a like there was always had Chinese whispers that were scouts coming to like watch. I think Hamilton at one stage were coming to watch a game, and um, I heard Clyde. It's um, one of my mates um, used to say it is like chicks, chicks want to want to go to Clyde and stuff. So I think it was the second year um, he came and watched a few games towards the end of the season. Uh, I think it was uh, the West of Scotland, I'm sure it was a semi-final we put Rob Roy out. I think we beat them 4-1 or something like that. Uh, and I had a cracking game that I scored one set up too. And after that, my mate was saying to us that he definitely wants to sing you and stuff like that. Uh, so I was always thinking, it was always in my mind maybe to go and give it a try. So I spoke to him on the phone and... He wanted me to go and play a, I think it was a bounce game with, with Clyde. And uh, it was there in East Cobride, so he was to go out there and meet him. Uh, and when I got there, he wasn't there. So it was just, a, it was a, I think it was a guy who was take, taking the team, just obviously gives a number. He was to play my part. And then after the game, the guy said, um, Chick will give you a phone. So I was like, where, where is he? Like, How's he not turned up? And uh, it was a couple of days later, my mate said, this ended up getting drunk or something, that's how we couldn't make it. So then I was just like, but he's like, ah, he still wants to sign you. <laughs> so for then I was just like, you know what, he's taking it, he's taking my cue at me. I was like, nah, like, I, I don't think I'm going to go for it now. So I think for then I was just, nah, my mind was made up that I wasn't going to go to Clyde. Um, and then it was my, my mate, Andrew Gibson. He played with the Pershire. Um, he just agreed to sign with Beef. And he told Johnny Miller about it, as he said, obviously, Paul's, I think obviously he was interested in Clyde, but I think they mucked him about a wee bit, so that's how the move for Beef came about. It was through him speaking to uh, Johnny. And how did you feel at that time leaving Persia? Was your uncle still there at the time? And Aye, see, he's been just... there, I think he's been there as long as I can remember, as in playing and managing, he's been there for since I can remember, um, but I think at the time, because the first year we won the league um, with the Pershire, I think we went something, won like 15 games in a trot or something, the first 15 games we won, so we were squishing that league, get promoted, and then the second season, we didn't do really that well, we obviously get relegated um, the second season, but we got to the final of the West of Scotland, so I think when that came about, and we were getting relegated, I think the team just, I think a lot of boys were leaving. Um, so obviously at the Pershire, they don't really, they don't get the funds to pay players. So 
a lot of their time as it's rebuilding every season. Boys come in and when other junior clubs that offer money, boys intend to just go. Um, so at the time, I think a lot of the boys were leaving the Wisney money it was staying about and I just felt that I wanted to go on and progress and win stuff and I just felt that it wasn't going to happen there because of the team we had. We had a right good team but as I say, everybody I think was starting to move elsewhere and I just felt the time it was right for me um, to move. From, from, from when I was looking back, I think I read a story somewhere where, where the article said there were four Super Premier League outfits that wanted you. Um, some people were maybe surprised that you chose Beath. You know, they, they'd been relegated. Was it purely because there was Andy Gibson there? and, and Or, I mean, was it was it Johnny Miller who was important in, t- in taking you down? What made you maybe, you know, step down that level? Or could you see the vision? Um, to be fair, I was good pals with Andrew Gibson, and obviously he's played he played at a cracking level with Fissel and that for a number of years, and I was quite close to him at the Persia, so he obviously told me a bit about them. And, um, and I spoke to Johnny, and it was Deco as well, and when I spoke to him, everything seemed seemed good. Uh, it, it felt right when I spoke to him because I spoke to a few different clubs, and I just felt that they weren't for me. Um, and I got a better vibe off Johnny and Deco. And as I say, it obviously helps that um, I, uh, Gibby was going to beef, and I knew another boy that was at beef as well for my 21s. He signed, but I didn't know that at the time it was until I went. Um, he, he came in. So it just felt just felt right. And obviously when I was hunting beef, you're hunting well, that's miles away down Ayrshire. But it's not until you actually drive down. If the traffic's not busy, it's, you're down in half an hour. Did it turn out to be a good fit straight away? You obviously, I think you won the league in your first year, and then two years after that, you were Scottish Junior Cup winners. Uh, no, as the first year we actually finished second. I'm sure we we, we missed the league. I think June ended up getting pro, uh, won the league, but I think it was like a point or two. To be fair, I think we actually blew it. I think we drew a few games coming into the last bit of the season. Um, but we had, as I say, as soon as I went in, we had a good squad of boys. I don't know how they got relegated the year before, but when I went, there was a few new boys involved, and straight away I just thought this is this will be a good team. And um, obviously, first year, <coughs> first year we done well. We should have won the league, but I think it was something like maybe two points that uh, we lost it for. And um, from there on, it just kicked on. There was always a good, good group of players in a. Uh, Decent players as well, plus the banter and all that was always brilliant, which makes it easier. And the team bonding, uh, I just through the years it was I we just had good teams. What was that junior cup final like? Oh, brilliant! But couldn't have picked a worse day because it's obviously in the Astro Park and it was roasting. So come, I think must have been about the 70th minute mark. I'm pulling cramp in both my calves. And I'm asking the ref how long left, how long left. So it'd have been better if it was raining, but I think for the supporters, that could have been a better day because of the sun. But I was glad when it was done, it went into penalties and no extra time because I don't think I would have had another half an hour in my locker. <laughs> would you remember about the day? A lot of these occasions, these things pass players by and stuff like that. Do you remember it all? What was your, what was your, your, your memories for, for, the, for that, the minute you woke up that day? 
Oh, brilliant, obviously, just excited. The full, just the full week leading up to it and stuff, it was because we go to going to Kelly's Park for a wee training session um, in the week to lead up to it. So just a buzz about the training. Uh, on the day of the Scottish Cup, you're going barely sleep, buzzing with excitement. Um, we had to go down to beef. We got breakfast and that down there. And then from there, we went into the coach and get took to Kelly's ground. But when we were leaving the town, <laughs> all, all the beef, like the streets were m- busy with fans everywhere. Hundreds and hundreds of folk, all out, scarves, flags, streets painted and all stuff like that. So just even going to Kilmarnock's ground, we're like, look at this, this is amazing. Like, you, we need to go and win this now. Just imagine what this, is, this, this town's going to be like if we win the Scottish Cup. Because it was amazing just even going out, um, turning to kill in the bus, uh, seeing all that. It was some turn out and brilliant. Um, so once we've seen that, we were like, we need to win this cup and get back here for a party. <laughs> and when you arrived out there then, straight into the, do you, at this point, do you know you're playing? Is the, yeah. is the manager named the team? I'm sure, he, I'm sh- I'm pretty positive Paul is when we went down for breakfast at Beef, Paul is into the changing room down there and I'm sure he had a chat and I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he named the team and Beef um, before we got there, I'm sure he did, before we headed off to Kelly. Um, but I think really, to be fair, I think this, the majority of the team was picked, you would have thought anyway, like, for previous weeks and stuff like that, there was maybe a couple of positions up for grabs, um, maybe two or three or something like that. But I think the the spine of the team was picks itself really. So so Darren Christie puts you one up. You get the seventy minutes, seventy odd minutes, and you're cramping up. And then I think uh, I think Robbie Winters equalises yep. to them in the seventy second minute. How are you feeling at this point? I mean, are you I mean, are you hanging on then, and, and with the conditions and all that, are you just you know desperate to get that final whistle and just get it to penalties? Yeah, well, at one nothing, you were obviously just trying to no concede and hang on, and then when they scored, you were hanging no, because you're you, you were just trying to defend and hopefully see it. Out. So when they scored, they obviously get a buzz for it, and you're hanging. So you're you're hanging. I can't lose this now. Like we need to make sure we don't lose it, but. I can just remember asking the ref how long left, how long left, and he keeps saying it is, and I'm going, we need to try and get a goal here, or just obviously shut up shop, and hopefully just take a chance at the penalty shooter. And then you've got nearly 5,000 fans inside Rugby Park. You're, I think, you're third on the list. Yeah. yeah. Penalty on the penalty taking. What are you? How are you feeling walking up to that? Are you still breathing out your backside, and are you are you quite clear? Are you feeling nervous? To be fair, nah. I was at that stage. Like once they blew full time whistle, stretched my legs and stuff like that. But I was always I picked my spot like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I think for any penalties or whatever, I knew where I was sitting at. So it's not as if I was walking up and deciding where to put it. I always knew where I was going to put it. Obviously, there was a a bit of nerves, but. I think my adrenaline kicks in, seeing all the fans and everybody, and uh, it was just a good feeling to score the penalty. So there was never any doubt you were taking a penalty when that went to penalties, then? No, yeah, you well for beef, for being at beef every time it's went to a penalty shoot or something, I'd always put my name forward, so I was always one of the penalty takers. Um, he didn't, he didn't actually pick his penalty takers until the day, but 
I knew I was always going to be one at Batata. And, I mean, you mentioned about going through Bees and seeing what it was like beforehand. What was it like afterwards? Oh, it was just, it was like that, probably just a bit madder. There was people out with beers <laughs> hanging for lampposts and it was just mental. Everybody was cheering the bus and scarves getting through at the bus and, oh, it was mental. So when we got back at Beef, we went into the into Beef Stadium and then I think they allowed fans in to go all around the stadium. So we done like a, a walk in or a run the, run the park up. Later on, we just kept on and just went into all the pubs and beef. And I think we were there most, most days we were there most of the night to two or three in the morning. And I think we probably spent about two pounds each because every time we were going up to the bar, like, I'll get this one, I'll get this one, all the beef fans. So it ended up a cracking night. I could do an hour night in my life, but that, that, that day, that night, was amazing. I was going to say, best of your career? Aye, by far. By far. Just uh, everything about it, the build-up, the day, the night, everything, amazing. And, and like you say, so much of that, so much of that is about what we're missing in the game now, isn't it? I mean, no fans of the game, but equally, if, if you were to go and do that again or something of that magnitude... You wouldn't be going in a pub right now, would you, to celebrate with the fans? I know. It's the, well, the last season, we were in the semi-final of the Scottish yeah. Cup. They were saying they were going to play that in March for this year, but obviously the way things are going, that cup's just going to get scrapped now. This is a bit of a gutter. But then again, if it went ahead and you won the Scottish Cup and there was no fans there, it would be nothing like the same. But you wouldn't get the same buzz or adrenaline or it just you if they took the fans it just it wouldn't be the same. Obviously, still winning the Scottish Cup again would be a big big honour. But you want the fans there. You want a full house. You want to go into the crowd. You want your family to be there. Your friends, kids, stuff like that. That's all part of you. I'm gonna take you back to the game. I can't. I'm. Is that always been the case? Is no extra time in the Scottish Junior Cup final? I think, I, I'm sh- it wasn't always, but I'm sure they changed that. It was some today, we, it gets shown on BBC Albert, is it? Right. Um, and I think it was today with the, the timing, because they had to obviously get the game in, and then they had to show the, the cup getting get hanged before they cut off the programme. I'm sure it was something today with that. Before the sheep shearing come on? Probably, <laughs> that, <so. laughs> fair, I was not complaining. Ah, I was going to say, wouldn't you want the extra time if you were cramping up after 70 minutes? You could see your fingers falling off that cup. Big, big hot park, big sunny day, massive park. I think all the boys were the same. So you talk about, you know, going up and taking that penalty, getting through that day, best day of your career. Fast forward two years later. How did the how did the kind of I don't know nerves apprehension compare going into that final day when you won the league by a point for Mockenleck? Oh, well that day obviously in your in in your head you're probably thinking Mockenleck's going to win like if they need to win to win the league or they're going to win but you were just all like, my girlfriend and kids came down anyway because I always said if they drop points we win like we'll win the league so obviously friends and family still came down so we just knew we needed to go out that day do your job make sure we get the win and then just fingers crossed that coming up with days a turn 
And to be fair, we were brilliant that day. I can't think we might have won six nothing or something like that. But we, it was a, like an easy. We played brilliant. Everybody was on it. Good football. Scored the right good few goals. So, and then when our game ended, it was a matter of waiting on the final whistle at uh, coming up on Talbot, which felt like 30 minutes added on. Yeah, we were all just sitting waiting. It must have been. I think it must have been only like maybe five minutes. Fewer game finished to wait to make sure the final result came in for them but it felt like about 30 minutes everybody stoning about the fans everybody and then when the full time whistle went everybody just jumped jumped about the middle of the park the fans and all that came in jump about um, that was an good feeling So how did that work? Did they take you into the changing room straight after the game? Were you sitting waiting on a committee member coming in or were you out in the park? And we didn't even fans? make it didn't even make it into the changing room. It was if everybody stoning about the park, uh, dugout. Uh, the fans were all kind of nervous. I think somebody was, there must have been somebody reporting in for one of the beef committee. Uh, so we didn't even get in. It was the fact we'll just hang about <laughs> and just didn't want to jinx it, didn't want to get in. Just, so we all just kind of fingers crossed and come on, surely that must be it. Um, and then, as I say, when we got the confirmation, it was full time. It was just brilliant. Everybody jumped about. The fans all came onto the park. Um, but they already had the cup and the medals at Beef for a kick-off because it was something to do with if Talbot won the league, they weren't going to give them, present them the cup at Cumnock because they thought it would have been riots there or something like that, I think it was. So the cup and the medals were already outside Beef that day, so... And these must, are the things that supporters don't see and people, people involved in the game don't see, do they? Because it's not as if they're going to just <laughs> bring the helicopter and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what we it was, it, I think the boys were saying it was Ford Transit Saturday. <laughs> 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 I mean, were you aware of the score, the Talbot score during the game at all? Or like half-time, I mean, was the manager, was Johnny like... Was he, was, he, was he not wanting you to know as well? Sometimes knowing can be, you know, worse, can't it? I well, I think, to be fair, I'm sure we were comfortable at half-time. I think if we were, if the scoreline was maybe not an H or one, nothing to us, but I'm sure we could, we could have been about three nothing up at half-time. So I think we were cruising. I think if, obviously the boys were mentioning it, but I can't remember the score, uh, what the score was at half-time, but I can remember like, the likes of Daz Christie it was playing right mid and he's obviously at the dugout side with Johnny Nat. Can remember him asking on a few times what's the score, so it was getting about the park, even though you were still playing. As I say, I think we were winning our game comfortable, so I think everybody was what's the score, what's the score, and aye, so it was getting about the park, and you were starting to think this could actually be your day. And I mean, that obviously, as, a, as an occasion, may be different to the cup final. What, what was it like after, after that game in comparison to the cup final? Was it slightly more muted maybe than than the the cup final, but still celebrations nonetheless? Aye, uh, obviously the cup final, that was the first time I think Beefs obviously won the Scottish yeah. Cup. So it was merely a big deal because the full community, everybody, because they were a big build-up for the Scottish Cup final rather than the league. Obviously, Beefs won that, I'm sure it was 2010 previously, um, so I think probably winning the Scottish Cup a couple of years before to winning the league. I don't think many people thought we'd have won the league that year because you're probably think Talbot will see it through as they usually do. Um, 
but it was one of the ones that you kind of hoped you could have won it, but you weren't really expecting it. So when it did happen, it, it was good, but it wasn't anywhere near as good as the Scottish Cup night, but it was still still good. That kind of spell when things were going so well, what what was what was Johnny like as a manager? What 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 made and what made that team so good? I mean, it's obviously a bit of both, presumably, you know. But but what what did Johnny do then? And and what was so good about that team when you look back now? I don't, I don't I, can't, I think there was just a good group of boys, and it just seemed to be if you maybe lost one or two. It was maybe somebody on the team that maybe knew somebody as well, or and they came in and just everybody just seemed to fit in. Like there wasn't many people I played with at Beef. There was maybe a couple, but apart from that, the majority of them were good boys and good players. And I just think with the team we built um, when we won the Scottish Cup and the Lincoln stuff, it was just cracking group of boys, and we had like a good spine of the team that mostly played. Obviously, a couple. Of, changes um, but we had a right good spine of the team and everybody knew their own jobs like Johnny we knew the way Johnny wanted us to play and everybody knew our role um, and I think as I say they just just the dressing room it's probably the best dressing room I've ever been in the few years when we won like the Scottish Cup and the league and I just don't think I'd, looking back even the new because the majority of the boys have left I don't think I'll ever get anywhere close to the group of players we had and the talent and just the way everybody got on and ripped to pee at each other and everything like that. It was just a crack dressing room to be in. Because it continued then the following season, I think because of that win, you ended up going into the, obviously the Scottish Senior Cup and you got that game against Air, didn't you? And I think it was the yeah. first time there'd been a, a senior v junior Air, Ayrshire Derby in, in, the, in the Scottish Cup. I mean, you lost 3-0, didn't you, that day? But yeah. that must have been a, a good occasion as well. It was a good occasion, and to be fair, it was it was a tight well, There wasn't, there wasn't yeah. much in the game. I think it was maybe the 60th minute they, they scored. But to be fair, I don't think there was, they didn't really dominate the game as much. Because two years previously, we played Morton um, in the third round when we won the Big Scottish, and they beat us 6-0. And then we were kind of good for the first 10 minutes, but they scored their first goal. And then after that, they just kind of went to flareways, like they were brilliant passing the ball. When we come up against there, you're obviously kind of expecting it, because at the time, Morton were top of the championship when we played them. And then obviously we played there, and they were the team at the top of the championship flying. Um, but for the first hour, I thought we matched them. There was a couple of half chances both sides. Um, but... To be fair, I think the difference for me that I felt, and I think a lot of the boys felt, was um, Shanklin, boy Shanklin. I think he was a, he was by far the difference. I think he got man in a match, but just on the ball and after the ball, his movement, his touches, his link-up play, on the day, I think he was the difference, by far. Um, but as I say, for the first hour, we held, held our own. And, um, and then, obviously, they scored in the 60, run about 60 mark. I think for there, they kicked on. I think they scored maybe two later goals, maybe 80th minute, roughly. Um, but only day I thought we matched them, but I think the standout was um, Shanklin. I think then, was it 2019, you won the West of Scotland Cup, beat, beat uh, Kirk and Tillich, Rob Roy in the final there. Sounded some game, that one? It was it was a good game. Um, that was another one. I, I, was, I had a wee problem with my hammy. It was just kind of tight. Um, 
So I played, I think, the majority of that game, and then I think I came off maybe an extra time. Um, so on that day, I didn't get the hit the penalty. Um, but it was end-to-end stuff. They obviously took the lead, and then we brought it back. It went one each, and I think both teams had chance to win the game. Um, but I eventually went to penalties. And to be fair, the season before that, we lost that on penalties. Uh, to Harrowford, I think it was we lost the final the year before in penalties. So that was one we had to win. So that was twice, twice I had lost that cup in penalties in the final. Um, so that was the third, third year, and obviously we won at that time. So it was one I had the, I wanted for the collection. And what were you like watching penalties instead of taking them? Oh, I was a nervous wreck, man. I was, I was just <laughs> obviously. When you're on the park, you're just concentrating, right? Mate, make sure I score mine, and then you're hoping for the keepers to obviously do their best. And um, but being at the side of the park and knowing you're no hitting one, you're just focusing on all the boys, and you're thinking, oh, he's missing this, or <laughs> he's going to save us, or uh, you're just—I don't know how the managers do it. Um, sitting for the side of the park, the fans—it's nerve-wracking. Obviously, it's different when you're hitting it yourself. Uh, but aye, it was—it was nerve-wracking. Obviously, you want to win it, and you're sitting outside of the park. There's nothing you can do. It's down to the boys, so fairly to the boys, uh, stuck on my way, and we win it. And I know we we talked about the quality of your squad right now. Do you think there's potential to bring those those days back? Oh, definitely. I, um, I even think we've only played five six games this season, but there's definitely potentially a right good squad that we've got. A lot of experienced boys in there still. Um, I think this season we had a lot of younger boys coming through. Um, a couple of under twenties boys made a couple of step ups as well, just through uh, injuries and um, the COVID outbreak and stuff like that. So as I said, our team was chopping and changing. But I think if we get maybe one or two more experienced boys in, we uh, a few of the younger boys because I thought the younger boys did well. A lot of the games they played for us, I think we could have a good mix. And uh, I think the the majority of the squads, I think roughly 20, 26 and younger. That's how I've went for a younger boy right up to Manny <laughs> Melvin. Um, I, I think there's potential there to have a, a good squad. My name's Tommy Sloan, Ockenlet Talbot manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Which brings us to Inside the Mind. Each week, we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Right, Paul, who was your idol as a boy? Um, well, Henry Larson was obviously the top man for me, being a Celtic fan, younger. Um, just thought he was brilliant. But overall, though, Frank Lampard for me, I, I loved him growing up as well. Uh, and my older brother, he used to like Gerard, so it used to be like a bit of rivalry there all the time. But I, uh, Frank Lampard, I just loved the way he's an attacking midfielder. He used to score 20, 20 goals a season and stuff like that. And it was all different goals long shots, free kicks, tapping, arriving in the box at the right time. So I, uh, probably Frank Lampard, a uh, mayor, ended up being my hero than Larson, I think. See, Paul. You said about Billy Adams sitting down and Lampard and all that. It was all there. That's exactly what it was from, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I guess as well then, Frank Lampard's been mentioned as 
amongst the whole mix as the next Celtic boss. So you take that, that'd be the perfect oh, start, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be the dream, that'd be the dream. <laughs> uh, who's the toughest opponent you faced? As a team, I would say that time we played Morton was probably the toughest team I've played, but probably the opponent, I would say Shanklin was by far one of the best players I. Yeah. What's the favourite football top you've worn and why? Um, the, the Scottish Cup uh, winning top for beef. Um, usually we wear it's black shorts, black socks and obviously black and white stripe, but... Um, on the Scottish Cup day it was white shorts and white socks so it was a wee bit of a change for what we were used to it just felt good for a wee change up and then obviously for winning the Scottish Cup and looking back and just the buzz of the full day then that's that'd be my favourite cap Who's the best player you've played with? Yeah, there's been a few but in terms of ability and tricks Joe Bradley was just some of the stuff he did is you're like wow man um, but in terms of if his attitude's there if he's in the mood for it um, but I think overall I would probably say Daz Christie I think he's obviously played with him for 6-7 years at Beef Terrorised defenders for since I've been there he won most of the player of the years or players player of the years um, in just different class and he was he was like at most games. Um but as I say, Rizzo Bradley, the ball at the feet and some of the tricks and stuff he did as well was unbelievable. So I would say it was one of the two. Has Andy Gibson never speaking to you again then now, is it? No, uh, he's well I played with him in his later stages in his career, so I probably <laughs> didn't get the best. Um I think his legs went a wee bit at the time I, I played with him, but I think if I played with him at his fissile days then he'd be probably at the top of the list. You were uh, you were doing his running for him, were you, by the time you played with him? I think I'd done most of people's running. <laughs> and, uh, right, what's the best practical joke you've seen? Well, there's been a few, as I say, in that beef changing room. There was always the boy Jamie Wilson. He was always up to any good all the time. Um, and there was, I can't remember, there was a boy, Josh. I think he'd done something to Jamie. It was nothing, nothing mental, but Jamie was like, listen, I'm going to get you back. And... Uh, he was just, so the boy Josh was kind of laughing about it, but he just left it for like a couple of weeks. And the boy Josh, you could see him every training session or Saturday. Oh, fuck man, what you going to do to me here? Yeah. I think one training session he came down, um, and obviously we were out training, so he did on his way to go, go to the toilet. So he's went in, into the changing room and took the boy's car keys out his pocket and went into his motor, and he, he brought two fish to training. And stuck them in the, the back end of the, the, the boot where the spare tyre is. And Danny Taylor obviously looked what water had just left it. And I think it took him about three days before he actually tippled his lap where the ass motor. And it wasn't until then he's like, Jamie, you're fucking out of order. But he was always, Jamie Wilson was always up to something. Like boys used to get in the shower and come out and he'd be putting deep heat in their boxers and all that stuff. Just he would he'd always be one of the boys that was always up to do good. Did, did he ever catch you out? Nah, no really. No. I, I think he was scared. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Aitken, East Coast Bayern manager, you listen to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider, right? 
I'll uh, be looking forward to your answers to this one, boys, before uh, before I reveal all. Um, we're looking for the team that started out under the name Britannia, has had two seasons in Scotland's top flight, separated by 31 years. They were formed in 1880, but didn't officially appoint a manager until 1966, and they've spent the past 13 years ground sharing at two different grounds. Paul, I've no got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> the only team, there's only one team I think that, that's ground shared, and it was East Stirlingshire with Stenhouse, Muir, and Falkirk, wasn't it? They shared the. But that's. I would never have got it from. I'm presuming I'm right, because I can't think of any other team that's. Every week, I always say it, you're usually, you're usually quite good at pulling rabbits out of the hat. And you've done it again this week. Is the fact that you says they've shared with they've shared with two teams. And there's no other. I couldn't think. For a, at first, I thought it was something like breaking, but no. So they were they were formed by a cricket club. Didn't know that. Uh, they were in the top flight in 1933 and 1964. Uh, they were formed in 1880, but until 1966, all management decisions were taken by the board of directors. So he didn't actually have a manager. How would you fancy that, Paul? You nearly fancy it. There's nobody you can go and moan it if you're not playing with really. <laughs> And as you say, they've, they've, they've been sharing at uh, Stenhouse, Muir and Falkirk. So oh, you did well there, Paul, to be fair. I'll thanks give you that. Much. Thank you. Paul, thanks for, thanks for joining us this week. And uh, hope uh, hope things go well when, uh, when the season eventually gets going again. But appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing all your stories. No bother. Thank you. Cheers for having us. Thanks again to our sponsor, Sporty4 Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer, or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.